Welcome to Change and Thrive. I'm your host, Dr. Wendy Huckelman, founder and CEO of WLH Consulting and Learning Solutions. I'm so excited today to have an esteemed panel of women leaders um, who are going to talk about some of the challenges that they faced and the teams that they led um, over the last couple of years. And most importantly, bring some lessons learned and best practices for how you navigate change and remain resilient um, in the face of change going forward. So today's conversation, we have great um, women who are going to introduce themselves. I'm so excited that we'll be able to do this. We're doing this during Women's History Month. So I'd like to welcome you, Janet, Antrice, and Chris to today's panel. And thank you so much for agreeing to join. Janet, you want to lead off and tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure. Thank you, Wendy, and uh, thanks for the opportunity to join you today on this podcast. Uh, my name is Janet Loesberg, and I lead the global medical organization at a biotech based in Cambridge called Blueprint Medicines. I have about 30 plus years of experience in the pharma industry. I was at Pfizer and then at Bristol-Myers-Squibb and Janssen, and now in uh, um, leading an global organization for biotech. So really excited to be here. Thank you. Great. Thanks. I'm Therese. We'd love to hear from you. Tell us a little Absolutely. bit about your We'll do. Hello, everybody. So my name is Antrice Hart. Um, first and foremost, personally, I'm a mom um, of three boys, a wife, and a caregiver to my mom with Alzheimer's. Um, professionally, I've been in the industry over 20 years, so a little bit less than you, Jen, as you mentioned, and been in biotechnology as well as pharmaceuticals. And uh, I've led global leadership development along with doing currently leading oncology teams with two different companies. I've led them back to back. So and right during the pandemic. So I'm excited about this conversation. Great. Thank you so much. And Chris, please tell us about yourself. Hello, everyone. My name is Chris Fritz, and uh, I am head of our global vaccination technologies and services at Beringer Ingelheim in the animal health sector. I'm actually on the poultry side of the business, so I have actually been in the industry for 19 years. I grew up on a farm uh, with chickens. That's not necessarily why I joined and uh, got into a career with poultry, but there are numerous careers, and um, it's actually a business that's actually growing with more and more le women leaders. When I started, there were very few women leaders, so it's good to see more leaders. We still have more opportunities to grow in women leadership, but it's also very good to see more and more women getting into the area of animal health and in poultry particularly. Absolutely. So thank you, ladies. We know the last 24 months have been... Um, disruptive in ways that I don't think any of us could have ever imagined. And in 2021, we were still grappling with the pandemic, yet you all found ways to keep your teams working and to support them. So my first question is really, how did you navigate your team through the many unforeseen challenges um, and changes stemming from the pandemic, as well as the post-pandemic fallout? Um, I'll be more than happy to, to start the conversation. Um, it's so interesting. 
at the, my previous company and then my current company is actually I started back in the field around the same time Change and Thrive was published. So I started right before the pandemic happened, a week or so prior. Um, and so now I'm starting a new oncology team with my previous company, but it was very parallel to what the changes were happening. So one, we're in a pandemic now. Two, both had restructurings about a month or so prior. And then three, we were product launching. So there was a lot of different things that were happening with new people, a lot of pressure, anxiety, um, stresses, um, along with me having my own family things. And I think the main two things that I kept top of mind was empathy and vulnerability, understanding how to listen first um, and meet people where they were during these changes that were happening. Uh, seeking to understand was critically important um, during these times. And some of the things that we would do, um, if we would do virtual, some people could be on or off camera, right? Because, you know, sometimes you needed that time. Um, walking meetings, we didn't always have to sit in these spaces, allowing that space to have that. Um, but making sure that the team felt that they were human first, and then understanding what we we're going to do and accomplish together as an entire team. Well, wow. I love the fact that you're talking about sort of empathy and vulnerability. I'm, uh, I chatted with, I think you, Chris, previously, um, that empathy was not seen as a critical competency prior to the pandemic, and now it's risen above the swirl in so many ways. You know, um, I have to agree with Antrice. I love the uh, topic of empathy because that is, you know, I think probably number one because there was so much going on in terms of from a personal life. We, we talk about work, personal life balance, and we really had to focus on that with the uh, onset of the pandemic and even going beyond the onset of the pandemic because we had employees that had children at home adjusting to virtual learning and our own colleagues, our team members were having to go through and understand how to operate Zoom and MS Teams at the same time. We were used to Skype, but nothing like with what we were going through in the virtual world. So we had to adjust and then not only have the empathy, but flexibility uh, to work around different schedules. Uh, we had different, and for me, we were looking at global time zones in a lot of different areas of how do we adjust for different time zones. And then with the team locally, adjusting based on schools, uh, timing to get their children ready to get online for a virtual, but also, you know, those that may not have children, making sure that, you know, they were out doing okay uh, psychologically, not going through some kind of depression if they were living alone. We had, um, you know, others that had maybe uh, relatives that were moving in, parents moving in, having to adjust, you know, through a pandemic. Or, you know, these one-on-one -on -one conversations around, you know, uh, family may be in long-term facilities, hospitals that were not able to go through. So we had to balance a lot in terms, and I think empathy was a key point to be able to balance, you know, work, but also a personal life on that. And then that flexibility and a communication. You know, we had teams that needed a group time to be able to communicate and share you know, what they were feeling, but also one-on-one -on -one conversations for those that were a little bit more timid was not wanting to share in front of a large group. So to me, I think that was very key in being able to help manage teams to be able to help move forward uh, in a very difficult time with uh, where change is always very difficult. And so being able to help those be able to adapt.
Thank you for that. I know, Janet, you were sort of at the front line of all of this. Can you kind of share sort of the challenges and what you saw from your perspective? Yes, sure. So um, during the pandemic, uh, I was working at Janssen and um, we, I got there maybe six months before the pandemic hit and quickly the whole organization and R&D pivoted towards focusing in on the vaccine. Um, and working with that organization to see it go from test tube to human in you know record speed, and you really had to think through how are how are you going to do this with a workforce that is quite challenged with the pandemic. Many of the things that both Chris and Antri said, you know, dealing with parents, um, dealing with small children. And one of the things that I that I quickly began to realize, and I'm, I think I'm still realizing it, is that I have you know predisposed ideas of what it what it what it's like to come to work every day. You know, I grew up in a profession years ago where you know you had to be you had to be on time and in person, and you had to stay till you know eight to five at the desk. And if you weren't there till five o'clock, you know people people were questioning your commitment to work and things like that. So in, in my head, you know, I have a very, a very, a very um, specific way people should show up to work, and and that just that those boundaries that that we used to have just completely went out the window, and I had to psychologically kind of rewire my brain to be like, that's just not the way this is going to happen now, right? The way this is going to happen is we're going to be parallel processing things. We're going to have to get backups so that if people get sick or they need to take care of their kids, or if you hear screaming kids on the Zoom, or you see a, you see a dog or a cat walk through, or whatever it is, or people doing their breakfast, like that's just okay, and that's completely fine, because people are gonna have to figure out how to work um, around their home schedule, as opposed to the way I think it used to be, which is you, you work your schedule and you put your home around the, around the work. So it's, it, it was a, a complete sort of rewiring of um of the way of thinking about people coming to work and that may be more consistent with the younger generation anyway so for the older generation i think this was a, a great awakening for us to realize that you could really achieve some great things hey we, we got a vaccine to the fda in record time for a, an emergency use authorization and like really a, a, under a year almost so and this is all done with global teams everybody working at home, people getting sick, you know, and, and so you can't overcome it. Just take the boundaries off, you know, and, and meet people where they are. Yes. So really, I think the common theme as I'm hearing all of you talk is the need for flexibility and agility and working with your teams, but really to lead with empathy. And I love the way you said sort of vulnerability. And of course, you're talking about the need to be able to completely lean in as a leader and communicate. I think we changed the paradigm shifted, right? Because leaders were always seen in a very different way. And I, I think to be real, I love the way you talked about cameras on or cameras off. The need to connect to the human um, part of your, your employees, I think, you know, rose to be pretty important, which is uh, hopefully we take that as we bring this forward, as we continue, you know, into this new, this new normal, whatever that might look like. Well, but before we kind of move toward the, the today into the future, were there any challenges there, that you were not able to solve for, or did any of the ways in which you solve for challenges evolve now that you have a little bit of time to kind of look backwards? It's important to think about. 
So one of the things that I'm still challenged about and um, trying to figure out is how do we how do we think about holding people accountable for the same results, right? So like if you take a field team, for example, how do I hold them accountable for the same metrics that I would have before the pandemic? Like if they, they're trying to meet with customers, they're trying to have advisory boards, they're trying to get publications out, they're trying to like all these metrics of things that we wanted them to achieve, but yet they can't meet their key customers face to face. And our key customers are getting bombarded by a million other other companies. And so the question that I, I keep coming back to is, do I need to modify my expectations and the results based on the fact that the challenges are just so great in this pandemic? And I don't think I've solved that answer. Um, and I don't know, I, I, I'm still trying to sort of understand what are the expectations because the, the, the pandemic keeps throwing more and more challenges. So, um, you know, so I'm, I'm sort of rap, grappling with that as, sort of, as we speak. So I don't think I've really come to a, a real answer on that yet. Yeah. And, you know, Jen, it's so interesting you mentioned that because that's my life, right? Every day in the field, leading oncology teams. And um, what I'm seeing um, with my current team we're talking about, and even the previous team at my, at my former company, we were saying, okay, traditional ways of accessing customers, as you just mentioned, face-to-face -face is not a reality. However, we still have goals to meet. So we're going to find different ways. So the first shift that had to happen was in our mindset. And what I mean by that is we have to be, re we have to be real. We have to be authentic. It's challenging. However, now we're actually able to see more customers because we don't have to drive there. So the ones that are open to virtual environments, that's where we're gonna spend our energy and expertise and really build up those skills. So when we have the opportunity to do virtual um, engagements with customers, we're ready. We're gonna be impactful. And so we can seize those opportunities. And then also maybe we can't see that particular person we're used to seeing, but there's someone else that's a key stakeholder in that account that we can maybe connect with as well. And they may be more open to engaging, whether it's virtual, whether it's in person, maybe it's outside of the office in a compliant way. Um, but it really had to be, what can we do to find and seek opportunities that we had not thought about before? Because as you mentioned, we still have goals to achieve. Hopefully they're gonna be adjusted to more realistic goals that meets the standard, but we can work together, shifting our minds and then also looking open to new opportunities. Um, it, it's amazing how it's very similar across all three of us, because I was also thinking, you know, the face-to-face -face interactions with customers as well. And, you know, it is a mind shift for us. Uh, I know initially I had, you know, said, oh, you know, it, this pandemic's not going to last long in the very beginning. Let's just delay a few um, on-site you know, face-to-face -face trainings, we have to be able to implement. We, we can't do this virtually. And then come to, you know, further time goes by, we're not going to be able to travel. There are travel restrictions. We cannot get out to the, you know, customers like we'd like. So we are going to have to, you know, change the way we're doing things and implement, you know, virtual meetings where possible. Um, but, you know, Wendy, you asked about, you know, what are some things that we were not able to, you know, still accomplish? And, you know, we were able to accomplish some, you know, virtual meetings, trainings, installations of equipment with some of our customers on site virtually. But, 
in a way we couldn't hit all customers. Uh, on trees, you made the comment, you know, we're limited to, you know, maybe some customers not allowing us in. But the other that, that was also impacting us was the fact that not every location can have a Wi-Fi connection in certain areas where we need to be able to see or train. And so there's some Wi-Fi, I call infrastructure type um, stopping points that we still are not able to accomplish today. I hope as technology improves down the road and we get better um, Wi-Fi capabilities in very rural areas, uh, it will improve. But I think that's an a opportunity of, you know, where we cannot be able to implement, but how did we accomplish this? Was it 100% perfect? No, not always. But we learned how we can adapt in the future and have a better understanding moving forward. It's interesting you talk about the infrastructure, right, um, of Wi-Fi, because in some ways, it exposed the underbelly of where there were disparities in this country, right? When the kids were being homeschooled virtually and access to computers and Wi-Fi. And I know, Chris, you were trying to plan a trip to the Philippines in the midst of all this to install some equipment. And so I think that, you know, we, we've learned some things from this pandemic, you know, setting realistic expectations, understanding this hybrid is here to stay in the context of an environment where, you know, inclusion matters and the organizations have leaned into that, as well as the fact that I think as leaders, I'm sure some of you have been facing issues of retention, right? The great resignation, people decided that they weren't going to come back or they wanted to look at things differently. So I guess my question is from the learnings of the last couple of years, what advice would you have for new leaders who are grappling with unforeseen or radical changes, you know, and how have you personally also remained resilient and agile? I think it goes back to the beginning of the conversation where we talked about, you know, how did we adapt, you know, with the situation and we have to continue that moving forward. We have to be very flexible. We need to have agility because it's not going to be something that I see okay, it's going to be this way for a short period of time. We've got to look at this from a mid to long-term uh, situation because we've got a lot going on. If we get past this pandemic to an endemic phase, what is going to be the next you know, piece? And unfortunately, we see today, and I don't want to get into politics, but we are seeing an invasion into a country by another country. It could potentially get to a global war. So it's scary to think, you know, how is this going to impact us uh, worldwide? And so there's always going to be something continuously going forward that we need to be able to be, you know, agile and adapt to change. And so I think we are going to have to continue with flexibility. Uh, we're going to continue from empathy. Uh, we're going to have to be able to adapt. What worked a year ago, three years ago, 20, 30 years ago, does not work today. We've got to look at generational changes. Um, you know, how are we going through as we get the next generation coming into the workforce? And then, you know, the other piece uh, for a new leader coming on, you know, into a new role is to also, you know, think about a mentor. Um, I look back from when I started my career and getting into a leadership manager role. And that was what was very helpful and key to me 
was to be able to have a mentor that I could be able to talk to, to reflect on, to bounce ideas before going in front of my team. And, you know, Wendy and I, it, it doesn't change, you know, depending on how long you've been in as a leader, you continue to find mentors. I've, I've over the last couple of years gotten to work with Wendy on a project um, at Beringer Ingelheim and she's now become a mentor of mine. Um, and I look at this as an opportunity to learn and change and, and she's been a great mentor for me. So like I said, I think mentorship is a very key point in, for any leader getting into the business. What about, what's your perspective on Teresa or Janet in terms of recommendations to, to new leaders and going forward? Because I believe that we're going to need to stay agile, flexible. Um, we're going to have to mine this performance issue, right? How do you have real, realistic performance expectations? Um, but also make sure that people really lean into their work, you know, while balancing whatever's going on at the moment. So other recommendations that either one of you have. Yeah, so for me, for me, as a leader, I, I've always, um, it's for me, it always starts with the people. It's, you know, you can't get anything done if you don't have the right people in the right roles doing the right work. So for me, it's people, people, people. And, but I think, I think even now, that is just amplified even more so. And so I think this ability as a leader to, to come in, especially when you're new, to really connect with the people and whether that's whether that's over zoom or in another fashion if it's possible but really connecting with the people getting to know their whole self and who they are and listening it is the ability to really listen so you're hearing what they're saying you're looking at their body language you're hearing the cues because the and taking the pulse often so not just once but continuing to take the pulse as the pandemic like ebbs and flows or these significant headwinds or people are based in Europe and they're now watching a country invade another country. And that's, I mean, I think obviously a huge stress that um, being close by that you, we, we can't, I think even really fully appreciate how, how significant that is if you're, if you're sitting in Europe. So continually checking in with your team and taking the pulse and really listening because the team will tell you um, what's going on, and they'll also tell you how they think they can do their jobs, right? You don't always have to come with the answer, because sometimes the team will just evolve it and share with you it over time. So I think this this really key of listening in and connecting with the people is really important. Yeah, and it's Janet, right? Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, that, that is just so true. And I think being intentional um, with building the, that relationship with the people starts with trust. So finding ways to really have a solid foundation of trust is going to be critically important. Um, transparency, support um, through all of the volatile changes is going to be critical. But we still have a job to do, as Chris was mentioning, too. So we want to set clear goals um, so that everyone is understanding of what we're looking to accomplish together. However, we want to think about the why behind we have them. I think if people understand the why, they can rally around and we can do this thing, but the flexibility comes in how they accomplish. And that's where the adaptability and, and people are able to find and work their schedules. You know, it may not be, as Janet, you mentioned earlier, it may not be that eight to five. Work hours may change and that's okay. As long as we understand this is what we're, our true north is together collectively, and then how we accomplish it may be a little bit different. The other thing I think is going to be really important for any new leader and even uh, tenured leaders that we're really understanding the whole person. 
So sometimes that actually includes the psychological safety, um, talking about EAP services, um, encouraging them to have um, meditation or stepping away for an hour or even a day, you know, allowing that to happen, I think is going to be critically important as well. And celebrating small wins as we get them really keeps the team going. And you asked about for ourselves, how do we remain, you know, agile and resilient through things? Um, for me, I just keep going back to my why. My purpose is always to inspire and to motivate. And so if I keep going back to my why and how we can achieve those goals, that helps and have fun. You know, Chris, you talked about um, having those stop checks, those checkpoints. I would do it in fun ways. Um, I would send like a, a text message to my team every Friday and it would be Friday feelings. And it would say on a scale between one and print. How do you feel? And it's Prince making all these different faces and people would text back whatever their number was and maybe give some insights how they feel or between one and this baby goat, how are you feeling? You know, and so it's a way for people to express how they're feeling. Um, they wouldn't give a little context or not, but it was a way for me to do some check-ins along with the more tenured or more, I say, more conservative ones of the one-on-ones and things like that. But having fun with a job, I think is important for the team and then also for me as well. You know, you you all have really brought forth some pretty amazing recommendations. I mean, building trust. I love the fact that you talked about psychological safety, because at the end of, at the core, right, of empathy is really being able to understand someone's thoughts, feelings, and rationale through inclusion. And I think what's changed here as we go forward is that leaders need to pay attention to the whole person, right? They're not just here to do a job. You know, I love the fact you're talking about check-ins and I know Chris, you were doing check-ins and Janet, you were doing check-ins. And I think it's a little bit different. You know, if you think about a couple of years ago it was performance, performance, performance in pharma and life sciences. And maybe the, the real lesson for new leaders is you have to bring your whole self to work, but you also have to really reach out to your people and lead with empathy and inclusion and checking in with them because if not you're you're ultimately not going to be able to get the results you want anyways right so it's about I, I think we've changed the prism and I hope that more um, leaders pay attention to this as we move forward because I think it's going to be really critical um, any last recommendations or thoughts before we close out today's podcast because you all have been super amazing any last thoughts the one thing I think about is it's about the patient so that's really, when we think about our true north as for my, me and the teams that I lead, it's all about how do we make sure we're doing what we do and stay focused on serving the patient. So if we keep that top of mind, it helps us to be able to navigate effectively. Oh, absolutely. Janet. Top the patient because it's always top of mind when you're in pharma and really focused in on, I mean, that's why we come to work every day. I think, I think for me, it's um, it's just keeping keeping front and center that it is about again, it's about the people and keeping myself actually resilient um, and understanding actually, Wendy, that it is about change and thriving, right? So if something's not working, have the ability to say, okay, this isn't really working. Maybe we need to change so that we can then thrive, right? And I think that that it's a it's a great theme. I think that we can pull through even even beyond past the pandemic. So um, keeping that as a personal thought, but also sharing that with my team. If it's not working for you, let's see if we can try to change it. Great. Chris, any final thoughts? 
Teresa's comment about have fun. You know, I, I'm very passionate. I think all of us on this call are very passionate and driven for what we do. And, um, and I, I love this piece of have fun. You've got to have fun yourself with your team, have you surround yourself with, you know, a great group of team to a great team to work with. And, um, and of course, you know, we have to have a reason we, we, you know, support our customers, our patients, um, the industry, however we're looking at this, we, we've got to have a purpose and passion. And, and like I said, I want to end with just have fun with what you're doing. Absolutely. Well, I, I want to thank each and every one of you. You really brought some fabulous insights, I think, to our listeners uh, in terms of you know, how, how to inspire younger leaders or even more tenured leaders just to shift the mindset. So thank you each and every one of you for agreeing to participate today. I think you've got volumes of lessons learned that you've shared and um, wish everybody a wonderful rest of your day. So thank you, Janet, Amtrice, and Chris for agreeing. And um, I'm your host, Dr. Wendy Heckelman, and uh, have a wonderful rest of your day. And I guess we'll see everybody uh, next week.